This is The Culture. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Cinema Wave podcast. This time we are recording right off the heels of the Loki season two finale. The episode is called Glorious Purpose. I am one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined by my Marvel buddy, Michael Peniston. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. We have so much to talk about. So, much. so strap in. I want to give everybody right now a spoiler heavy warning. Now, we are putting this episode out <laughs> as soon as possible, but. If you haven't watched season two of Loki, if you haven't watched the last uh, episode of Loki, episode six, the season finale titled Glorious Purpose, please go watch the episode. Come back, tune into our conversation. A lot of insight, a lot of analysis, and we're going to dive right in. So you have been warned. Spoilers ahead. Big warning. All right. So I want to start with something that is not necessarily completely spoiler heavy, but something that I want to assess your opinion of at the end of the episode and of season two as a whole of Loki. Mm-hmm. Tom Hiddleston has been playing this role for a very long time. 2011, I believe, is when the first Thor came out. So we're 12 years into him playing this role. Crazy longevity, right? Different versions of this character throughout the variants, all of it. At the end of this season, where is your heart and your head at with Tom Hiddleston's portrayal of Loki. And my heart and my head it. Wow. That's a big question. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, I think I can put I can put Tom Hiddleston excuse me in that in that boat as far as a legend in just superhero content at this point, you know. Um we kind of talked a little bit before and you said that people are kind of comparing him to to greats as like like a, a Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people have said that the the upper echelon of like the superhero roles you have people like hugh jackman as wolverine who has the craziest longevity Mm -hmm. you have robert downey jr as tony stark iron man Mm -hmm. you have uh ryan reynolds perfect as wade wilson deadpool i think that this series as a whole probably put him in that conversation though people always loved loki oh yeah this was a wrap-up to sort of encapsulate who he is as the character. Oh yeah, definitely. It definitely also cemented himself, like you said, as as this character. Like I can't envision anyone else playing a character uh, Loki other than Tom Hiddleston. Um and um he just really like from the beginning, he's he's always delivered to be honest. Um I I really can't think of a bad Loki performance of his. Um and like I said this one this this season 2 really cemented him as being a great i think as far as all of these characters um obviously he's now the most powerful character i could say so Mm -hmm. like he's even i i'd even put him above a few of those greats to be honest just because he's played such an important role in this mcu our our version of the mcu coming up Mm -hmm. and everything and so i don't know I, i consider him i think he has cemented himself as one of the greatest superheroes now considering he was like super villain yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i went so part of it too for me is in terms of just the performance right mm-hmm. there's been so much emotion driven in this character mm-hmm. starting from the first film where he's this neglected kid brother and he's the one that feels that he has this uh objective to get to the throne and he's jealous of his brother thor He's the main villain of the first Avengers movie, which is crazy to think about now. It's a big role to have for the first, like the first that he, that is, he set the States up for everything. Yeah. If you really think about it. Yeah. And think about for how many years people were like, Marvel has a villain problem. Marvel has a villain problem. But Loki was not in that conversation. People really loved Hiddleston's performance. Then you jump into uh, things like his comedic chops in Ragnarok, mm-hmm. where you start to see him have different interactions with people other than Chris Hemsworth, right? Like some interactions with Goldblum, interactions with Ruffalo. Awesome, awesome stuff. And then we get this series that season one of Loki, people going into it were like, oh, Loki's getting a show interesting because he also dies in the beginning of Avengers Endgame. So, or Infinity War, right? Infinity, Infinity War. War. Infinity so. There was so much of the character that people were like, wait, like what's how is Loki getting a show? His character in the normal MCU is dead. And then obviously we find out in Endgame that it's the 2012 version of Loki that uh, is at the end of the Avengers that gets the stakes and gets the uh, spotlight in his own series. Season one overperformed. I feel like everybody thought it was way better than they thought it would be anticipating it. 
So then you have a huge bar to set with that, with season two. And I think he blasts through it. Like for so, we've talked so much for the last few weeks about how we were worried because some of the episodes hadn't been Loki centric. The last three and really a main highlight on the final two centers so much around Hiddleston's performance and hinges on his shoulders. And I think I can confidently say that I personally believe that this episode is the best episode of Marvel television that they've done so far across oh. streaming. Oh, yes. I honestly I can put this this episode in the category of best content Marvel has put out. To be I would honest. agree with that. Like like I was watching this this whole series, this series, this whole uh, season was giving me heavy Infinity War vibes the entire time. Um, and this last episode, I feel like can arguably be put up there with infinity war in my opinion infinity war is like the best thing marvel has ever put out mm -hmm. so like that's like i would put this season and this last episode in the top five of everything marvel has ever. i put wouldn't out. argue that i think too that the two of them working in congruence with each other season one and season two as a whole story mm -hmm. is definitely up there yeah. i think the creator of the show or one of the head writers maybe for season two talked about how this was meant to be a one half and two half story. Mm -hmm. So I don't think at the end of this, when we finally get to the conclusion of this season, mm -hmm. it we might end up having the conclusion of this series. We might have the ending of uh, Loki's uh, story with the TVA, at least in terms of streaming content. Mm -hmm. But wrapping it all up across 12 episodes now, having close to 12 hours to dive in and dig through I mean, Easter eggs, the theories, the character work, the character development, the overall story arc and seeing Hiddleston's version of this character evolve mm. to me is one of the best things Marvel's ever done. Having said that, where we're at with Marvel right now, it it, it leaves you in a weird place yes. <laughs> because so much is not right mm. in terms of the way that things are fitting throughout the timelines and the way that. Things are working out in terms of the fans' uh, reception to things. They managed to stick the landing and then some with this. We will get into the conversation of what we think it means going forward, mm -hmm. but we both were very happy with the finale, I would say. Very happy with it. Um, yes, this is this. I don't know. It got my hopes up a little bit with the season we're in, but it, it was nice to have just like genuinely like good Marvel content. Yeah. Because it has been a while. Awesome. It was good. Yeah. For sure. So let's dive in. I want to, we're going to do this a little different than we've done because there's so much to go through. Mm -hmm. We're going to try to break this down maybe scene by scene the best that we can. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you noticed this, the opening sequence in this episode gives us the Marvel Studios logo that yeah. we see before every project. Mm -hmm. It was in reverse. Did you catch that? No. Okay. Not at all. What? <laughs> so it's in terms of the imagery that we're shown, it's in reverse. So it starts with what is usually the last shot that we see within the letters going backwards. Wow. So even like the when you see the animated thing, like usually, so you have uh, you have the comic strip for like the comic strip, and then it shows you like those um, sort of those painted versions of the Avengers. And it usually uh, ends with Cap throwing the shield and then we get into the screen That's grabs. Right. Oh, my God. So <laughs> when we're going in reverse, we start with scenes from throughout the MCU. Then we get to those paintings. Cap throws the shield first, takes us back towards Bruce and Tony. And then we see the Marvel Studios thing in reverse. So setting the state. Now, it took me it took me three watches to figure that out. <laughs> but it did. Uh, it got us to a point where we. We were off the jump. If you didn't know, if you did notice it, you know that so much of this is going to be involved involved in going back in time mm -hmm. and so much time travel, which we messed around a little bit in Endgame, but it's different with the way that Loki's doing it. Mm -hmm. So that was the first way we started it off. Happy to be able to give you that information, but Thank when you, you rewatch, I think you'll really enjoy that part of it. Mm -hmm. um, it takes us back to where he time slips back to right before Victor Timely gets uh, spaghettied going to try to uh, fix the temporal loom. Mm. And we get a really great montage of Loki going back in time to try to figure things out. Uh, I forget the name. Uh, is it? I was going to say Ballroom Blitz, but I don't think it is. The song is Doom Digga Doom 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 Doom
song. Never had immigrant song. Immigrant song is that? That's probably it, right? I think it is. Immigrant okay, song. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, it gets us that kick in with immigrant song, mm-hmm. and we get this awesome montage of Loki going back in time because after Victor Timely um, doesn't get it the first time, he goes up to Obi and he goes, "What did we do wrong? Like, mm-hmm. what do we need? It doesn't matter what it is. Just tell me what we need, and I will make it happen." And he goes, "We need more time." And then Immigrant Song kicks in. So that's awesome. And we get these moments. Um, there's uh, the first one where he goes back in time. He comes back and he explains everything to Victor Timely the same way that OB explains it in episode five. Yeah. <laughs> and then OB looks at me and goes, that's exactly right. And it was just such a great comedic moment from Kiyoi Kwan setting the stage. And then Victor Timely goes down there. He's like, you got to go quick, quick, quick. And then he just keeps dying and he just keeps dying. And it's an awesome comedic moment. And the thing I loved about it was it's not comedy for the sake of comedy in Marvel, which they do sometimes, mm-hmm. which sucks. It's like they it's like they bring in writers to be like, oh, yeah, now make sure you make uh, you make a joke about Falcon. Oh, it's so forced sometimes. It really is. It's uh, I feel like the, the the last Thor movie was all that. Yes. <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder has like no heart to it. Not at all. Yeah. And so I feel like 100 percent they were able to focus in on these moments and and even focus in on Victor like a little bit because you know like he had died so quick and so mm-hmm. like we i got we got to see a little bit more of his character through these attempts as well and i don't know i just feel like there was heart but it was so funny it was like the, but so much of it is baked in the character yes, too like yes. it's that is that is realistic to ki hoi kwan's portrayal of ouroboros mm-hmm. like that is something that his character would see through similar with victor timely the way he reacts to certain things and quips mm-hmm. it's perfect for the character sometimes like you said it feels so forced because they're like all right now make sure that you just add a joke there and make sure that you just add a joke there and it's like <laughs> yeah. no dude that's not what we fucking need like yeah and i remember somebody on youtube was actually saying recently too i, I was watching a video and they were talking about how how old so how old were you when iron man came out I was like that was like 2008, right? 2008. I was eight. Okay, you were eight. Yeah. I was 13. Okay. So, did you see it in theaters when it came out? It's so funny. I saw it in theaters, but I saw it with my parents, and the first scene was like him having sets, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we can't have our kid in here." And they took me out, and then I had to watch it alone afterwards. Oh my god! So that's how I like had got into Marvel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's that's <laughs> a great that's a great story. that's a great experience. <laughs> so I saw it when I was 13, and I like. So the, the person on YouTube, who I forgive me, I don't remember who I'm crediting, but they're talking about how when we as Marvel fans saw these films, we yeah. were children. Yes, yes. We have grown up with the characters. It is time to grow up with the characters. Make your characters more mature. Make them ha- and and the sweet <laughs> spot of some of it, mm-hmm. they're able to encompass. Right, like I don't approve of the way that Joss Whedon has done things in the industry, but he had uh, a pulse on making great comedic moments with adult characters in comics. It's like the way that DC sort of goes. And again, Marvel has their, their, um, they have their equation on how they do things, but some of it becomes too cliche with this. I don't feel like it does at all with Loki. Not at all. Not at all. I feel like everything delivers. Um, they even do subtle things like repeat the same frames of shots. There's one frame that, killed me every time i saw it and it was such a subtle thing it was what's his name um the he on their team and he's like uh he helps over boys casey casey okay casey. Yes. it was like every time that victor died it would cut back to the same shot of, of uh casey just like, like so <laughs> stunned but they did it every single time and it just kind of like like subtle things like that that are just like I, I don't even know if it was meant to be a comedic as much as they thought it would be, but it mm-hmm. just hit and it hit because of everything we were watching. Yes. No, yeah. I feel like it's like the perfect encapsulation. Exactly. You have character, you have writing, you have editing. Exactly. Right. Another part that's great within that montage after he does it, I think probably five or six times, he goes a little further back and he uh, barges into uh, the meeting that Victor is having with the Hunter, Ravona, and Miss Minutes. <laughs> and he goes, Miss Minutes, I know you're incredibly hurt and you're really upset, but listen, I need him. <laughs> and he just pulls him out. Right. And it's like a moment that was so consequential two episodes ago that we talked about. And we were like, oh my God, dude, like Miss Minutes is like 
is talking about her love for this character and her and Ravona are trying to corner Victor just completely negated because right. Loki's like, no, 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 motherfucker, we need to get this temporal loop figured out. Yes, but it also plays so much into like this, like him being able to rewrite these these moments like and like that, that again, we're going to touch in this, um, this phrase a lot, I'm sure this episode, but that goddess story sort of thing and it's showing like how easy it was and how like quick they were able to just throw moments like that in there. And, and even like, again, following the comedian, I remember uh, Miss Minutes, when it cut to them, you just hear like the blink, blink yeah. sort of sound effect and it's quiet. Like <laughs> things like that are just so subtle. And it's just, it's, it's moving so quick, but it still hit each thing. And so that was a perfect scene, I thought. And I, th- I don't know if anybody, well, I mean, I'm sure there are other actors that could do it, but he has such a great familiarity with the character mm-hmm. that he's able to do it so seamlessly. Yes. Like that is Loki. <laughs> yes. Like that's been Loki in his DNA, regardless of him being a supervillain or a superhero since 2011's Thor. That is the character. And he's able to bake that in in moments. And I don't know, like I'm so curious because he's so familiar with the character. If some of it was improv. If some of it was like, even if it's little things, but like just the way that he addresses certain people in these scenes. And then we transition to the next part where uh, he goes further back to, uh, I call it like the war room, where they're sort of having that discussion about how they need Victor to go down the runway or just how they're able to fix the temporal loom. And he walks in and he goes, um, what does he, uh, what does he say? Oh, so he walks in with Victor and Mobius and before... Uh, Ob can say anything. He just goes, "All right, you know what's crazy? Here's the TVA handbook. This is Victor Timely. You're Ob. You guys wrote it together. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, and they're just like they don't even have a proper introduction because he's like, we got to get this going. We got to get this going. We got to get this going. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that because <laughs> you know what's amazing? You both wrote it. <laughs> it's like such an awesome comedic moment that's baked in. Marvel's DNA when we were on the upward trajectory of Marvel projects. Mm-hmm. So I, I I really appreciated that. Did you have anything in terms of other comedic moments or some that stuck out of the ones we already talked about? Uh, n- nothing really specific that stuck out. We kind of touched on all of the amazing moments that happened. Um, but again, it's just like the way that – and it, it, this episode, they really, really touched in it. But this whole season, the way that Marvel's been able to play with time in general, like like – these scenes are like like we're able to laugh through this and again it's moving quick but like once again like these are like loki big things that are happening like these are like we're watching loki rewrite things that we already saw weeks ago you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and like just like that that feeling as like a viewer at that point is just like it hits 10 times harder because it's like oh snap like yes he's funny he's doing this but like we watch this like like it's like it's deja vu for us at this point you know it's like the way that they're able to do that so it's just all that whole this whole intro to the episode was just spot on perfect yeah it's like a master class in energy it's yes. like a master class in being able to have your viewer watch the same thing but pick up on different things at the same time and tell the same story in a different way it was remarkable yes. i just thought the, the episode of as a whole is amazing. But some of these moments, like you said, setting us up to it where uh, after the war room scene, basically, he just goes, um, how long is it going to take me? He pulls OB aside and he goes, how long is it going to take someone like me to get all the knowledge that I need in order to get this done the way that we needed to get done? And he goes, decades. And then Victor Timely goes, centuries. <laughs> and you just know. And at that point, you're like, all right. Here we go. Centuries back. But I love that they're smart enough to not have us view that because then it's like they hit the sweet spot of like we just talked about. You love the way they mess with time. You love the way that they do it through editing, the way they do it through camera work, the way they do it through dialogue. If you give us some of that centuries montage, then I feel like you start to get into that monotonous period and you start to sort of relegate the viewer to something that's so continuous that you're like, all right, man, I'm like bored. I don't need to see this now. I want to get to the conclusion definitely. and they avoid that completely. Yeah, definitely. They avoided it. Um, yeah, like you said, it's like at a certain point, it's just like because you forget throughout all the, the, the techniques that they're using, the elements that they're using that they're still supposed to be making getting like one step closer each attempt to mm-hmm. the, the success. And so like you're right at a certain point, like the viewers just like, like, all right, come on, give it to us. And so. I agree that that would have been too much. I, it would have been a lot. 
and um and it was perfect um uh, it, it felt like a callback to endgame a lot I'm, I'm making a lot of callbacks yeah know, yeah like and stuff like that but like the five years later centuries later mm. random sort of small callback but it, it it almost hit harder for me because of that even though it was like a, a comedic element sort of thing it was like oh damn like centuries like yeah yeah so it's like but like again it was it was smart i feel like everything that they did this whole sequence was just smart well i think it's great that you have that ability to feel this like the fact that we could feel nostalgic about a movie that only came out four years ago mm-hmm. when it is a while ago like you think about it in terms of everyday time like people watch TikToks of ours that are 30 seconds mm-hmm. but four years ago is in the grand scheme of things a long time to watch more content but it makes you feel nostalgic about these really great moments in the mcu definitely and then also you know like remembering that all of this the show plays like directly after if you think about it those events so it's like in a way it's again it's, messing uh, with time it's time is crazy they're doing crazy things but I mean it's it's awesome it's, i i love it it's amazing yeah um so he goes back in time we mm-hmm. get the centuries later uh graphic and he's the one that gets the knowledge to perfectly sort of counteract the temporal loom and expand the rings yep. himself and he explains that to them before he even goes back in time so he comes back he explains everything to timely no time to waste we finally get a moment where victor timely breaches that um that radi uh radiation mm-hmm. and he works his way all the way down the time uh the runway he does everything right. We see a great, another great just acting of, by Hiddleston where you just see pure joy on Loki's face. He's like, finally, mm-hmm. I just exhausted myself for mm-hmm. centuries of time to learn all this knowledge. And we finally reached this apex. We did what we had to do. And he's okay. He's like, come back. And he's smiling the whole time. It's awesome. He comes in. And for a brief moment, you think that they had solve the problem you start to see that the um universes are all sort of condensing and the rings are getting a little bigger and everyone celebrates for probably about 20 seconds and then you get the beep on the uh computer screen and loki's like what's going on what's wrong and obi's like it's not working anymore there's too many universes and victor's like it's infinite he goes you're not able to contain it because it's infinite it's basically like dividing by zero Awesome line delivery, awesome sort of way to uh, boomerang the audience back and forth. How did you feel about the execution of us finally getting to that point and then having it all washed away in seconds? I thought that the execution was perfect, to be honest. Um, that that build up to having Victor reach that point and like, again, continuing the uh, the small comedic elements where it's like, uh he was able to say certain things like don't do this don't do this that kind of like tied into okay they've been doing this a lot of times and we didn't have to see those other attempts but we knew like don't drop the don't put the thing down because it'll roll off the the runway and things like that so still playing into those elements but like being able to see that bit of success being able to see victor get there and like there was i felt such like a warm feeling when victor made it in you saw like that moment where like victor and uh loki are kind of like almost like had the arm around each yes. other and they're almost like like tapping each other's chest like like we did it and it like it almost felt like oh snap this isn't kang like this isn't like you know like victor is like he's that dude he's <laughs> that dude he is and like loki is also that dude because like you know they were just like the support and everything and it just felt so good but marvel is good for those boomerangs and we needed that we needed to be brought back to this reality that okay like this is still 15 minutes into this hour long episode. Like mm. clearly like there's has to be something that's not going to work. Um, and the quickness, the, the way that they were able to snap themselves right out of that, that moment. Um, it, it just was perfect. It, it kind of, it was like everything was moving so quick and they're playing with time and then they're still able to like stop time perfectly and be able to allow us to just sit in like a, Oh snap. Okay. Like, that was fun. We had our fun, but like, like we got to get serious. Like, this yeah. is like not working. And so it just pushed it much more farther than that, than I, than they probably even anticipated in that scene, just simply because of the dramaticness in it. And, yeah. And yeah, it was done. And we just, so we've talked about Hiddleston's acting, which always deserves the kudos, but Jonathan Majors, man, like they are in, they're in a spot. They're definitely in a spot. We can't, comment so much because we don't know what's going to happen in this court case but god what a misery it will be to lose this guy as a talent because he's remarkable and he's great in this role and he's great in all these parts 
so much so when we go forward a little bit and what we're going to talk about, but even in those moments, like you said, is timely just realizing and, and having so many different versions of this character within himself mm-hmm. so much so that he can mock him later on. Like it's, uh, it's, it's great. But <laughs> so within that moment, you, you discover uh, without even the dialogue, you as the viewer realize that the only way that Loki can get through this, or so we think is he has to go back to the season one finale and he needs to kill Sylvie. And then we're back. I was immediately like, Oh my God, we're going back to this because at the time that we get that episode and that, that dramatic, uh, three-way conversation between Sylvie, Loki and he who remains, that was like perfection to me at that point. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is one of the greatest moments in MCU history. And they add to it in such a brilliant way where we, uh, basically see Loki going through this montage again, of him trying to stop Sylvie uh, to stop her from killing he who remains. And he fails in many attempts. We don't know again how many attempts. It seems like it's it's probably hundreds of thousands. And there is even a moment where he stops her. Like he stops her and he kind of has the upper hand. But he's like, I can't kill her. And he lets her go and she, she kills he who remains again. And then he finally asks him, he goes, are you going to fight back? Holy shit. <laughs> Do you want to tell the audience how incredible this sequence is? I want I want you to describe this. Sure, sure I can, because oh my God. So first of all, let me let me just talk a little bit about just a little bit about what you just yes. said, because that, that whole being brought back to that moment and that stake was just an unbelievable feel. This whole episode was like an unbelievable feeling altogether for a viewer. But if you watched Loki season one when it first came out and the last episode came out and you saw he who remains for the first time and you probably had no idea who he was but how like serious of a moment this was and how hard hitting of a moment I remember watching that first that that moment like watching it during Mm -hmm. COVID years ago at this point yeah and being like okay like I have no idea really who he is but this has to be kind of like big and now years later being brought back to that moment, but now knowing who he is and how serious this is, that level just for a viewer is just insane. It's almost, it's crazy. And so I was crazy hyped when we were brought back to that um, that moment. Uh, but yes, uh, we saw these, these this moment, there's a lot of hesitation in Loki having to kill her. And then like finally he, he said something to Kane, he asked her, are you gonna do something? And he stopped time. Uh, and it's it incredible. was in that moment where it I, it kind of got serious because now you realize that this was really a moment between Loki and and Key who remains, and so he was like she's in the like the, the view like let's get rid of her, um and he was able to like just like easily shoo her away, blooper her away exactly. <laughs> and at that point, then it really was just this moment with He Who Remains and Loki, and essentially he revealed that he knew, um everything at that point he he not only knew everything he revealed that he set everything up he was the one that gave loki the ability to even be to be able to time slip like yep. like he said all of this was just a part of that plan that he said in season one when we watched everything that he said and so again it's like real life like being bought brought back to that same moment years ago and um Again, you could probably explain a little bit more of like the specifics and and what he said. It's just yeah. So he so he talks about the time slipping. Uh, I have in my note here the whole entire scene with he who remains in Loki is fucking amazing. <laughs> One of the best in MCU history, and I really genuinely believe it is because there's so much within the acting and there's so much within the writing of this where you just see how manipulative and how crazy this version of Kang is, where he's like. You thought that this is like, of course I'm going to do it, man. Like I, he has a line too. Where I love it. He says, I made the tough choices. That's why I get the big chair. Mm. And it's like, I've been doing this for years, bro. Like, what are you, what are you going to do now? Because I understand that you probably feel exhausted. I don't know how many times you've been doing this, but you have a fucking choice to make because the difference is I have been here the whole time. And before they even have that conversation, he goes, go do this a couple thousand more times. And then you let me know when you want to have a conversation. And it's just like he is 
like goes back so much to what you have echoed throughout the last couple of weeks, the handling of time and the grasp of how important time is compared to your own lives, viewers. <laughs> Think about how many things on a daily basis you have to deal with and you are stressed out about that have to do with the aspect of time. And this guy can manipulate and control it for every single character we've ever seen come through the streamline of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's remarkable to think about that we are friggin' 30 movie over 30 movies and television series in despite what you may think of them. We are uh, years and years of work that's been put in and it's in the hands of this villain, Kang the Conqueror, through this version we see this variant he who remains. He, the temporal loom is a failsafe. It doesn't – he goes, the TVA is collateral damage. It's easy to rebuild. <laughs> this is something that we just saw Loki go through for two seasons to write to get the TVA as an established thing. We've talked a lot of, as well about the role TVA might have in Deadpool going forward. I'm not so sure we even see the TVA ever again based on the way that this conversation goes, based on the, the conclusion of the series. It's incredible to me the way that they were able to hold that – to a standard that is like above so many of the projects that we've seen in recent years. And he goes, all the variants are out there. They're already out there. And we know they're in the Coliseum because we see him in the post credit scene of Quantumania. Mm. And then we have Kang that was already out there during as the villain of that, of that film. But he basically says Loki up to be like, dude, you got to figure this out. Because it really is either you let her continue to kill me and you're going to keep doing this and we're going to keep doing this and I've been doing this forever or you kill her and then we'll see what happens because I've been in this chair for years and if you kill her, then we just – we'll fuck around and find out. <laughs> He's <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I'll remain in this chair and we will do the best that we can do to prevent other things from happening. Loki doesn't want to accept that, which I think is insane and incredible but – Give me your commentary. So much to talk about within <laughs> so everything much. I just said. But so much of that is built in that character and built in incredible writing. The show is so good. The finale is so good. Yeah, Freaking yes. out about it. Yes. This whole moment was just insane. Um, also, like knowing that we had just watched the whole intro with Victor Timely and knowing that this is the same guy. <laughs> and, like, same actor. Same actor. Like like just like completely different acting, the performances. And that, that alone just blew me away. He's such a talent. Please, hope, I hope everything's okay. <laughs> but um, that that scene was just the fact that not only did he like lay everything out, um, he he almost laid everything out to the point where there was, it was like there was really only those two options, and he was still gonna win no matter what. Like it just showed how much, how evil he is, and he's like the calm one again. And so it just shows like not only that, but how, like how much thought these Kangs are really putting into this stuff. Granted, he, this is he who remains. So this is, this is this variant and this, you know, we've, we've had a lot of focus on him now, but it just shows just Kang in general, like what, what we're really dealing with as far as the states of it all. Um, I, I think that I was super surprised when Loki said that, uh, <laughs> basically he, he didn't agree with, with, um, either option. And that he wanted to write his own thing. I knew in that moment, like, oh snap, this was that was the moment that Loki was setting himself up to really like become like this like the god of stories. Not even just the god of stories, just like the god of MCU at this moment. <laughs> like, like like this legendary character. When I heard that that initial like, no, I don't want to do that. Like there was so much power in that that statement only because we also knew what that meant as just for the multiverse. Like, well, he tries to drive it home too. He mm -hmm. remains, he goes, he originally, he goes, I'm just going to destroy the temporal loom. And he goes, all right, bro. If you do that, we all die. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a brutal war. Mm -hmm. And then there's no fixing anything. We all die. Mm -hmm. That is literally in place to try to make this all work. He goes, so if you decide to do that, then that's on you, but that's going to just lead to all of us dying rather mm -hmm. than just killing one person. Mm-hmm. And it was one it's of those crazy, it, crazy, absolutely crazy. But it's one of those moments where it was like, we all knew, like, we all knew we were going to get to this moment at some point, just because Marvel has announced everything. We know Kang's going to be <laughs> the Kang dynasty at this point. So we knew we were going to get to this moment, but it was like the fact that it was buried in 
choices that involved him having to now look out for his friends, him having to think outside the box and not fully think of him, himself. And that's what really drove that, that like him saying no, and then really made it hit harder because we knew now that it, 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 it just, the state, the states were much higher. It, uh, I can't say a lot because that's leading us into basically what happens. Next yes. Well, everything, but going back to what you said about the friends too, mm -hmm. I think it's essential to remember that that is a core of who Loki is mm -hmm. as a character. Yeah. Not only throughout this series, but think about the scene in the beginning of Infinity War when he comes up to try to help his brother. Mm -hmm. And think about these moments where he self-sacrifices in things like Ragnarok, in things like Infinity War. Because we get to that version of the character, which this is not. But deep within Loki and the eventual versions of Loki that we get throughout the MCU, that's essential to who he is. and. It's so deep rooted in the preparation for these characters and setting the stage and the care for these characters. And that's why so much too where people start to talk about bringing back RDJ and bringing back Chris Evans and bringing back all these people. It's hard because they're so important and integral to all of this, but you had a perfect wrap up with Endgame. And I'm glad that Hiddleston's still like in it because – He's played this character for so long and so much is on his character rewriting things to be an anchor with all these other new characters that we haven't latched onto the same way. There, there are there are certain characters, right? Like I personally love Iman Vellani's portrayal of Miss Marvel. I haven't seen the Marvels yet, mm -hmm. but I love her in the series. I think she's perfect for the character. Mm -hmm. Then there's other people like Charlie Cox's Daredevil. That's a character, you know, a version of that character that he does such a great job. You don't want to see other people play that role. Um, but there are characters within the MCU now that you don't have that same attachment to. Tom Holland is up there. But he's also owned by Sony, and you never know what's going to happen with that because they could just decide one day, "Fuck you, Marvel. We're not. You can't have him anymore. We're taking him back. Mm -hmm. So good luck because mm -hmm. you don't have the rights to the character." Mm -hmm. So, so much hinges on this character and what is the core of who Loki is yeah. going forward. Mm -hmm. And then we get the moment. So, you alluded to it. <laughs> so, I, I, one more question I did have though, based on that conversation. When he who remains does say to him, or you you destroy the loom or you kill Sylvie and we protect what we can. And he's alluding to the sacred timeline. In that moment, do you believe he who remains? Do you believe that that is what he's setting up? And if he does decide to just kill Sylvie, they could just – they could be okay. They have the sacred timeline. You can continue to live on the sacred timeline and we won't have all this stuff happen. Or do you think he's fucking around with him? I no, I think he's being serious, honestly. I think obviously there's we know you can't trust him, so there's just always gonna be that untrusting yeah. nature with him. Um, but I feel like he he really did lay it out. Like he never really like lied if yeah. you think about it. He he was honest, but he was just manipulative. And so I kind of said that funny, manipulative. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was just so he never fully lied. So I do think that it would have been the truth. I do think that um, obviously it wouldn't have been like a situation where I take that back. I think that it would have been a situation where it would have been OK, but I could have seen maybe he would have erased Loki's memory. Something. Like OK, that. yeah. That was where like the lie would have or like the, the fakeness would have came into it. I think that everything would have still been sort of the way it was. Um, just because I do believe the honesty in that, but like again, you can't fully trust him. So it's like it could have been a Ravona situation all yeah. over again. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So then we go back to the moment you alluded to. Loki decides on a decision, mm -hmm. but he time slips himself back to the first conversation he has with Mobius. And so much of what we talked about a few weeks ago was they don't have a lot of time to wrap up all these strings. Boy, do they fucking wrap up all these strings. <laughs> it's so great. Now, we uh, two, I think last week's episode, we said we wish was a little longer. Mm -hmm. Or there was a little bit more substance to it. The finale, this is, again, Marvel has a big streaming finale problem. They just do. They've never really always been able to satisfy the viewer. Even in a series like WandaVision, which is one of their best, 
mm-hmm. the finale totally underwhelms. Mm-hmm. Loki season one does not underwhelm. It's one of the best finales. This tops it. We get an additional 12 minutes, a 59-minute episode. So basically a full hour with these characters. And so we get this moment where Loki time loops back to his first conversation with Mobius. Another moment of incredible writing. Another moment where we get to see Owen Wilson play into the dramatic uh, performance that he's capable of giving. And he basically says, uh, Loki walks him through everything he's going to tell him because you're going to show me all my memories on the screen and how it's my glorious purpose to own the throne. Call him back to the episode. And uh, he says, I just have a question. Or he, he basically baits him into being like, how do you know all this? And like, he goes, I have a question for you and I need you to answer it for me. And he asks him, what is it? What is the exact line of dialogue? He says something about like, how do you know when it's time to I do think, the, yeah, to do the right thing the or right something thing. like that? You know when it's time. Yeah. Or something about something about people or it might be that. Yeah. yeah. Something, something along the lines of that. Yeah. But then we get this dark moment. That's a callback to something that happens in season one where Mobius talks about a hunter in the TVA Mm-hmm. That uh, his job was to prune an eight-year-old mm-hmm. that had killed 5,000 people in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And he hesitates for just a second and it leads to the death of all these people before the other hunter that he was on the mission with goes in and, and slays this eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen, the hunter he's talking about is Mobius. He's talking about himself and his partner is Ravona Renslayer. Mm-hmm. So that's an awesome reveal right there <laughs> and then you just see this beautiful moment where he keeps talking to him and they talk about the role that uh that played in the shaping of his life and the decisions that he's had to make and things like that and loki knows what he has to do and he gets up and he shakes his hand did you feel that that was a moment where we don't see those characters interact again because i did i felt that that was the closure which is tragic because their chemistry together is so great. But do you think that was the end of the uh, the lobious bro, the <laughs> broness that comes of those two characters? Yes, I do. I do think that that was the end. Um, I, I think that it needs to be the end with you know the things we're about to cover that follow. Um, and obviously, that moment I feel like was a conclusion in itself for them. Um, Maybe not for Mobius because he didn't know what that that Loki was, you know, had time to look back. But for Loki, it was the moment of reassurance I think he needed. And like the, the words, the the advice that that Mobius gave him, it helped him, I, you know, it's, and like and that moment when it like you kind of see him like start to spaghetti off. Um, like, again, like it was. Uh, it, I just felt like it would be too much if they. There would be no reason, honestly, yeah. for them to have another interaction, if it, unless it was something like where the states were higher, like an Avengers level thing, where they they have to be brought back together. Um, but no, that I feel like that would then be a forced thing. Yeah, because um, he doesn't have abilities. Mobius yeah. is not a hero character. He's just, uh, I guess you can consider him a sidekick. I feel like that's kind of kicking him down. Mm-hmm. But like, he's a guy. Mobius is just the guy, but he's the best friend of Loki and he gets his closure at the end of the episode where uh, following the conclusion of the big um, thing we get with Loki, he uh, asks to go back in time and he watches himself playing with his kids. Mm -hmm. So that's a beautiful moment that he has. Um, But after that conversation with Mobius and he spaghettis away, like you said, he goes back to talk to Sylvie in the moment from last episode when everybody else is spaghettiing away uh and then he freezes time that was sick he also did that and we didn't bring it up before but he did that when he was talking to um he who arranged yes at one point um that 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 moment showed me like oh this guy mastered time yeah <laughs> yeah master. he like, knows oh, his shit right? you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. um so he freezes time mm-hmm. goes back to talk to sylvie and uh sylvie's basically like if you're waiting for my like i know why you're here if you're waiting for my approval like to kill me you're not gonna get it mm-hmm. but like i understand like if if You've been doing this a lot longer than I have, obviously. Going back in time, you know what the solution is. So whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's such a moment of desperation by Loki there where he's like, I need to find a way to save my friends and save time. And so he goes back to the moment. He goes back to the moment uh, where they have to bring the uh, 
the device to the temporal loom and he doesn't even put the suit on. He just goes out there like a fucking boss. He goes all the way down the runway. But as he's going down the runway, we start to see him evolve into uh, not the exact same costume that we've seen in the past, Mm -hmm. but a new version of Loki. Mm -hmm. He still has the long green cape. He's got a cloak. He's in all green. He gets his crown Mm -hmm. and he manipulates the loom in his own way and destroys it. Holy shit. Holy shit balls. Holy shit fuck. <laughs> Every curse word I could think of. Yes. <laughs> how, how does that moment play out for you? Because, I mean, for everyone, I'm sure, remarkable moment, incredible character development. You see Loki develop all of this throughout the episode, throughout the two seasons. How did it hit for you? It hit so hard. It really did. Uh, especially now after seeing all these attempts too. Like we had, we've seen so much of Loki at this point, like, and like this whole episode just like solidified a lot in his character, at least everything that we'd seen so much to that moment, including everything that we've seen for like the past years now, that that was like a moment where you like really realized like he found his purpose. Like you could see like, not only was he, did he find it, but like, it was just so dope to see like like him just become all powerful like not being like it was just you could see that like he was where he needed to be and what what he had finally found like that that purpose that purpose yeah i was trying to think of another a different word because i keep saying purpose but, <laughs> but again it was just it was like the most rewarding moment he at this point was like throw at like he was like de- giving his whole life at this point to save the tva and like through these conversations that you got to see with mobius and with sylvie and with he who remains you could see like the clarity that he got and that like it wasn't just something that like he thought he like had to do it was something he truly wanted to do yeah at that point you know which which plays a lot into that to be into being a hero at that point which is what he had been chasing for the longest time and he didn't even know he was chasing him as a hero either like it's such a great callback to that line he has in the first avengers movie where he goes i'm burdened with glorious purpose he gets his glorious purpose here and it is a burden it's a massive burden because as he's going down the runway everything explodes he starts to grab the branches of all the different timelines and they start to turn green it's beautiful visual visually incredible crazy and uh he is just walking and he takes a step off the bridge and it starts to form underneath him and there's a throne there and he gets there and he brings everything together and that makes him it gives him his purpose Mm -hmm. he's burdened with a massive purpose now he's the guy in the chair and he's in control of time and he is in control of these stories that you talked about in last week's episode, rewriting the MCU mm-hmm. realistically is, is how we can deduct that sort of situation. And it gives free will to uh, all the people at the TVA. We see that at the end where um, Wunmi Masaku's character is talking to everybody and she's now running the TVA. Like I said, Mobius goes back to see his family. Um, Casey's working with, within them. And I think Sylvie's there as well. And, uh, he goes back to that citadel at the end of the time and it's just the throne. He takes a seat and he builds this beautiful tree, which I think you had talked about a little bit in our pre uh, recording mm-hmm. that they build it up to this thing that in North Norse mythology is like this big symbolic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. d- did you read into that or? Yeah, I read into it. I didn't know anything about that before. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's Edgdrasil. Edgdrasil. It's like a, it's, it connects the nine realms in North, North uh, mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a way you, you could see, it was like when you saw the tree, it was like Edgdrasil. It looks like the tree of life in Animal Kingdom exactly. for Disney. It's incredible. Exactly. Great visual. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, that is, a, that's a great actually analogy. I didn't even think about that. Um, What's it called? But, it uh it was like that like connect but instead of connecting those nine realms it was now connecting the multiverse so like, it was like that's where you, you could see that connection and um a lot of people were calling that that out so yeah mm-hmm. he's literally holding together the existence of the universe of the MCU now it's crazy to think about that and i guess that sets us up into this next part of this conversation where 
everybody else gets their wrap up at the end of the show. It's not really necessarily about what happens to everybody else in the TVA. Maybe we see Sylvie again. Maybe we see Mobius again. Mm -hmm. But so much of this is Loki's moment and a perfect wrap up of not only the series, but his character as a whole character arc. Where do you think we go from here? Because it's obvious. He, like I think what we had discussed maybe two episodes ago was him maybe leading the multiversal Avengers. He's got if he literally has a bigger job than that. Like he's holding everything together. So going, we don't get no post credit scene, which I don't know how you felt about that. At first, I hated it because, of course, as Marvel fans, it's like more, more, more popcorn, popcorn, more, more, more. But I thought it was beautiful mm-hmm. to end it on that last shot of him on the throne, that close up. And I think we're going to see so much more of this character, especially towards the end of this saga. Like he might wind up being the sacrificial lamb, for the lack of a better term, at the end of this. Like that might be the only way, by the way, if they don't or even if they do bring back Robert Downey Jr., they bring back Chris Evans, they bring back Scarlett Johansson, everybody. They bring all them back, seeing them die on screen. It's not going to hit the same, obviously, as the first time we see some of their characters perish and go off in their other things. Seeing Loki die at the end of the saga would hit, to me, based on the end of the series, would hit as hard as Robert Downey Jr. So many thoughts, I'm sure. Just start rolling them off your tongue. Yeah, so way way too many thoughts. Um, oh, where do I even begin? Uh, I do think first, just because you said the most recent thing to go off of, um, I do think that at by the end of this saga, if we saw that moment um, where we, we saw something of, of Loki's death, Honestly, I think it would hit harder than a few of these characters just because now of of the position that he's in. Like like you said, he's holding everything together. And so now we know that if he lets go, like every everyone could die. And so like and that alone could be the end of the MCU. So like it's it's just like if we see that, like that could signify the end of the MCU or at least a hard reset of anything. And that could all then fall into Loki's character. Which just is like the again the states have been so high this whole season, but it's again just continually letting the states be high. Um, but as far as just the ending of this episode, I feel like I I'm so happy with it. I'm so happy with the things they decided not to do with like like not including those post um, credit scenes stuff mm. like that. Um, I I genuinely feel like like. So many things that I want to say. Dude, just go off. (laughs) So, like, I just genuinely feel like Marvel is really, I'm going to say this, Marvel is really good at endings. They are very good at endings. And I almost don't want to see him come back, to be honest. like Even Even at the end of this? Even in the end of this, yes. Interesting. Yes. I feel like if they were to do that, and this is the last time, we ever see loki which i don't think is a smart move marketing wise because yeah. he's this successful for them um but if it is like this is like the 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 end of loki then i feel like i'm completely concerned with that i feel like he just to seem on the throne like i feel like like and I, and i was going to say this before but um i feel like we forget too that like he's still a god like you know like uh that we always, i remember we were, we were saying that early in an earlier episode because he's he does He's so human at times, you forget that he's a god. Yeah. That, like, when I saw him, like, grabbing everything and everything that he did in this final sequence reminded me, like, oh, snap, no, he's a god. Like, yeah. he can do this. Like, and I think that's why I'm so content with this. Like, not just that he's a god, just because of it being Loki. Like, I, I'm, I'm super content with the end of this. Um, I, I would be okay, like I said, if we didn't see... If we didn't see him again, I do think we should just because I have a theory. Oh, I love I theories. All right. <laughs> so I have a legit theory on the way that I think he plays a role in even the complete culmination of the multiverse saga. Okay. Now, this is we're years away from this because also Marvel projects are getting pushed every day. Now, mm-hmm. the uh, actor strike is over. Yay. Uh, we haven't talked about that on any of our pods yet. This is our first one dropping since it happens. So that's great news. <laughs> yes. But. Uh, a lot of Marvel stuff's getting pushed. I think the only movie coming out now next year is Deadpool 3. Uh, and I think we're getting Echo in January and maybe a couple of other series, but no other movies till 2025. Like Cap got pushed. Uh, another project, I think Thunderbolts got pushed to 2025. So like the only one we're getting is Deadpool, which also will play a big role 
in the MCU going forward and sort of piggybacking off of this because we know that there's going to be multiversal aspects to Deadpool 3, obviously, bringing all those characters in the fabric of the MCU. I think we get to a point where we're going to have an emotional moment. It may be in Kang Dynasty. It may be in Secret Wars. It may be in a movie before then or a project before then where Loki and Thor come back together. Mm-hmm. Thor is obviously is in shock because his brother is dead mm-hmm. based on the way that he had seen things play out. Um, and I think a big part of the way they have to defeat Kang overall is that Loki is going to have to sacrifice himself by bringing all of these branch timelines together to make one final sacred timeline that will snap everything essentially for the lack of a better term. Cause that also happens in end game, <laughs> not a literal snap, but that will rewrite the MCU. So, that will get us to our one basic sacred timeline that we need to get back to that. He who remains is alluded to, and that will lead to the sacrifice. He will be the big sacrifice in secret wars, uh, getting us back to where we go. And then that's when we start to see, I don't know how they wrap that up, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like what characters carry over, which characters don't. Maybe we start to, because everyone, I think, is on the 616 plane for the most part. Like, I think that's what we've discovered is everyone is Earth 616. And I don't know if that's where we reset or if we reset in a different Earth. Maybe we reset um, where some of the characters are variants. But, like, let's say at the end of Secret Wars, we're on Earth 842. And in that Earth, we have a different version of Ms. Marvel, but it's still played by Iman Vellani. And we have a different version of Black Panther, but it's still um, – uh, what's her name? What can I think? I'm losing it. Brain fart, everyone. Whoever is Black Panther now will be Black Panther in a different oh, universe. Uh, I'm just losing Le- it right Le- now. Le- 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 uh, Letitia Wright right. is yeah. her name. The actress's <laughs> name. I can't think of the character right now. This is this is after <laughs> talking about Loki for over an hour. Right. But that is my theory in terms of he has to be the integral part. He is literally holding everything together. And despite – like I do respect and appreciate this would be a, a perfect ending for him. Mm-hmm. I think there are other ways you could do perfect endings. Mm-hmm. Um there has to be a way we get back to this because even though he is holding everything together, the timelines are still branched. Mm-hmm. We just don't have as many of them. So we know that there's these different branch timelines. One of them I think is going to be the X-Men universe because um, we start to see some of these characters come back in. But that is the way I think he is going to be the core of what gets us to the end of that. And then maybe we see Thor retire um, because I don't know if we're going to be able to keep bringing him back. I mean, Chris Evans is getting older. Yeah. Like, but I think Loki might wind up being the big sacrifice because the only other character that would hold the same weight unless we see a lot of development over the next few films to me is is Spider-Man. And even that he's so he encapsulates all of what Marvel is. And uh, I think Tom Holland is going to be in the role regardless of whether he's in the MCU or he's in Sony. So that's my theory. I think that I think that he ultimately is the one that's going to have to make the big sacrifice and he's going to be the big death at the end of Secret Wars and he's going to be the one with the most knowledge on Kang. He's going to know what the variants look like. He's going to, you know, him and him and uh Scott Lang. So Yeah. I and I I like that theory. I agree with that theory actually. Um there's a lot of things in that theory that I think are deserving. Um I think that we need that moment between Thor and and Loki. Um I if we don't get it, I guess I'd kind of be okay with that just because he still has his own story at this point. Mm-hmm. But it would be nice to get that, especially knowing that uh, we're getting a Thor 5. Um, it would it would be nice to see that that reunion happen in Secret Wars mm-hmm. and for that him to be that character, that, that sacrifice. Um, just because there probably will need to be a sacrifice. And at this point, like you're right, he's the most obvious choice for of, of that sacrifice. Yeah. Um, uh, I... I also think that um, I don't know. Um, I had a question. I don't. Want, I don't want to lose this question first before just because. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that obviously, like you think you with your theory, um, you think that he'll come back into this in uh, Secret Wars or or at, Loki? Lo- yeah, Loki. You think that like that will will eventually like you think that? <clears throat> I think that I think that the next time we see Loki is going to be in the post credit scene of Kang Dynasty. So then do you think that... Because I think they're going to lose in Kang Dynasty, similar to how we had the Infinity War and Endgame parallels. So then do you think that he'll have the ability then because he's connected to all these timelines 
to like almost like cast himself into these times like do you think that he'll have like do you think marvel will go that far with this with him being in control of everything like like how do you think we're going to see loki again? i don't know because part of it the way that i took the finale is you gotta like even going back to that line of dialogue that major says where he's like i made the tough decisions i'm in the big chair Mm -hmm. he doesn't leave that like there are variants of him that are in different situations but he who remains remains in that chair throughout all the time and i think he talks about it in the season one finale he's like can't leave that like this is his job maintaining everything Mm -hmm. and you i'm sure you noticed this but like when he sits in the uh when he sits in the chair of the citadel at the end of time like he's in that same environment that kang or that he who remains was in it's just destroyed it's like rubble and he has to rebuild that Mm -hmm. obviously Mm -hmm. so i don't know if we see loki jumping around in universes i think that he has to remain where he is and I think that Thor finds a way to get to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a big payoff. I think it's going to be closure for those two characters together. I think it's going to be closure to the MCU that we've been seeing by the time Secret Wars comes out. I don't know off the top of my head what year it comes out. Let's say 2028. That'll be 20 years mm-hmm. of Marvel, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. But that'll be 20 years of Marvel. That might be the perfect way to sort of wrap this up. So based on right now, I would have to say my theory would hold that. I think that he remains in the chair until he's dead. I think that he we're not going to see him not jump in like a like a like a what's a remember when um the other version of the Loki variant was able to like trick Kang um with like he could cast himself to appear. It was like a this is the word of Richard E. Grant's character yeah, of Loki. Like, there's a, like a I have to, I'd have to rewatch because I haven't watched season one since it first came out. Like essentially, I'm trying to say like because like with his magic, do you think? Yeah, that yeah. It, like you, obviously not leaving the chair. I think Loki Prime, this Loki will always remain in the chair. But you don't, interesting. You don't think that we'll be able to see like obviously not Loki Prime, but like because he's magic and because he's still holding the whole multiverse together and connected, you don't think we're going to see like at least like him jumping around a little bit. Yeah. Like uh, we probably can. I mean, uh, you have to set the stage for multiversal travel, even though they're, they're they've been trying to do that yeah. <laughs> the last few years yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. failing, mm-hmm. but I can see that. I mm-hmm. uh, just based on the emotional aspect of it right now, though, because that's where I feel like so much of my theory is being driven. Mm-hmm feel like he has to die i i I don't oh yeah i think he'll have to die at some point but like the build just because i feel like he's gonna play like you said an important part of getting to that conclusion of defeating kang and getting to that area but i feel like and maybe a part of me is still also thinking that maybe he'll be the one to gather the multiversal avengers and everything yeah i could see that you know and so like that's why part of my head maybe he has a post-credit scene with scott because again scott is the only one that we talked about this last week He's the only one that to me adds up in terms of a guy that has dealt with Kang. Mm-hmm. He's dealt in the multiverse. He's dealt in all these different things in quantum physics. There's no other character to me, and we haven't seen the Marvels yet. I don't know if there's that many mentions of it, mm-hmm. but to me, he's the only character that would make sense. Like, even in terms of, well, maybe Shang-Chi, because we don't know, because his post credit scene, he's talking to Bruce and he's talking to Carol. And he's going to start joining them. So maybe he's more in on what's happening than we as the viewers are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think that that's what leaves this finale also really good. It's, it's like the perfect thing that they need right now going forward to keep the anticipation high. I don't know if that same follows through with the Marvels where we get where we end up at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I could see it both ways. I could see it where um, he's jumping around trying to get trying to gather people together to try to take him down. Do you think he'll die at the end of Secret Wars? I do. I do. I think that that needs to happen. Like, I I agree with that. Like, I 100% think that's going to happen at some point. Um, Just because you're right, we have to get to the sacred timeline again at some point. Um, And we're going to have to go back to him at some point because of that. Um, I just feel like, I, I just feel like, I don't know like all of this is completely up to how marvel wants to take it to be honest um but it would be cool to be able to see like like clone versions of him sort of like him projecting that's the word i was thinking like him being able to project a version of himself into these timelines basically um i don't know i don't know uh i don't really know he has the ability like that's the thing he's the most powerful He's got to be arguably one of the most powerful characters in in Marvel now. I think he is. Like he solidified it during during this season and in the finale. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know, man. There's so many ways we could keep going with this. There's so many theories that we can pour out. I think that maybe in a couple weeks we let some things dissect. We come back after the Marvels and maybe we do a little a little Marvel roundtable and we discuss things going forward. I think that would be fun. That would be very Try, fun, Trying to yes. theorize some things. Well, that would be a lot of theories and a lot of craziness. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. I think that's it, right? It is, yeah. Too much. Uh, was there anything else? Did we miss anything? I was trying to think. There's oh. one moment with Ravona, mm-hmm. which I know that you had asked me previously. Yeah, I didn't know if it was necessarily anything like huge, just because I don't think we're gonna get a season three or, or at this point. Um, but you know, there was that moment um, where we saw where she got pruned. You know, yeah, she ended up at the end of time, and she's like in this field alone. Um, and you just kind of see her uh, look up at this guy. And you see like the purple fade. Yeah, I mean, it could be the. Um, I think it's Ramatut because she's also next to the pyramid. She's next to a giant pyramid. So I think it's the Kang variant Ramatut. Mm. That would make the most sense to me. I think he's also purple. I think like in the comics and the, on the version we've seen on screen. In the, yeah, he was purple. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even notice the yeah. pyramid. Oh yeah. my God. Wait, she like wakes up and she like sits up and she looks over and there's a pyramid and then she looks back over and there's like a purple gl- like glowing light. And that's all you see. You don't see any version of Kang or anything. But again, in the comics, which we've talked about previously and everyone has alluded to, like they have a romance and she's too good of an actress, Gugu and Batha to just kind of cast her aside at the end of this. Yeah. You know, I, so, don't think, I feel like the TVA, like we might not see him a lot moving forward, but I think that they'll always be around. Yeah. Like even if they're just mentioned. You yeah, know, like, I agree. You know, yeah. That, I think they will have some sort of role in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. I think we're done with Mobius. I really do. I think we're done seeing Owen Wilson in the MCU, which you know, is sad. You don't think we'll see him in no. Deadpool 3? No, I think he's done. I think he's done because he's done with the TVA. Mm. Uh, I think we'll see uh, B-15. I think we'll – I hope we see OB. I would love to continue to see Kihoi Kwan in Marvel for so many reasons. Um, Sylvie is another one. I'm very curious what she does. Maybe she's a multiversal Avenger, which would be cool. That would be cool. To see going forward because she has that relationship with Loki too and them reuniting in, in the same way with Thor could be interesting to see. That would be. Um, I loved her portrayal, Sophia DiMartino. She was fantastic over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to dissect, and it's cra- it's crazy because it, yes, there is excitement, but behind so many of the so much of the excitement, there's also so many balls that have been dropped in Marvel's court uh, with the future of the MCU. So I think there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to dissect. There a lot more projects coming. A lot more, but we could say the multiverse is officially open. Yes. And- the Kangs are officially out. Yes, they are. So we'll see where that goes. Now. We'll see where that goes. <laughs> well, guys, I think that's going to do it for the end of our very long yes. but deserved conversation yes. for uh, Glorious Purpose, which not only was the name of the finale episode of season two, but was also the uh, uh, title name of the first episode ever of the series, which I thought was awesome. Uh, if you guys don't already, please make sure you guys like, you guys subscribe to the page. Please comment your thoughts on what you guys thought about the finale, what you guys thought about Loki in general, both seasons, season two as a whole. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments. So please make sure you guys comment as well. If you guys don't already, follow us at Cinema Wave Media on Instagram as well as on TikTok and on Facebook. We also have at underscore Culture Wave Media, which we're also on Instagram as well. Just signing off, I am Darian Scalamoni. I'm Michael Penniston. And we'll see you guys next time.